I heard this passage, believe it or not, this week on a primetime news show that I watch. I was telling a dear friend of mine how this came about, and I heard this referenced by a person being interviewed by the host on this news show that I watch, and it was fascinating to me because um, this man being interviewed, he has a, his own radio talk show. And he's a Christian, he makes no bones about it. And talking about current events, he's saying that things in this world are satanic. And he says that word on prime time. And he goes on to basically teach the gospel in 30 seconds. But what he references is, he references um, in the gospels he said that uh, Satan asked to sift. And I remembered that, of course, because like you, I have heard this passage many times in my, my life, and I've read it, and we've gone th you know, by it and brazed over it. But when he said that on TV, the host, when the guy was done talking, the host goes, man, he goes, not many people would say what you just said on primetime TV. He says, but I'm glad you did. It's so fascinating to me. The courage that this man would get on TV and just rattle the gospel in 30 seconds was unbelievable. And he's done that before, and I really like it when this host has him on. But he's bold. He's courageous. And that's how we have to be, you and I. You and I have to be bold and courageous just like that. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, that, that courage. And the guy who's in our story today, Peter, he definitely had that. That was one of his strong points. That was one of his, his traits, if you will, his courageous spirit that was just given to him from birth. He just had that way about him. And we'll talk a little bit about that. It made me wonder. It made me investigate that passage even further. I had to go to it. It was not bugging me. It was intriguing me. I, I had to go see, and I, I found it, and I, I read through it. And what happened was, as I read those verses that you and I just read together, a ton of questions hit my brain. I was wondering, what is the deal with this? Satan has asked, Jesus looks at, at Peter, he says, Simon, 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 Peter. He goes, Satan has asked for you. And he says, he's asked for you because he wants to sift you. He wants to sift you. What is that? So uh, many questions immediately hit me. First of all, I'm thinking, okay, sift. What is that? What do you do when you sift something? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yes, you separate. You're separating something. And you bakers and cooks and chefs know all about this. You have what's called a sieve, right? It's a sieve. I had to look that word up. I call it a sifter. But you guys are chef. Any chefs in the room, by the way? Raise your hand. Not a professional. Even just a hobby. That you're a chef. No? Okay. Thank you, Ed. And back here. Now, Ed, I trust you, but I'm going to go back here. So you're, you're a chef? Okay. Love cooking and, and all that. What, what's for dinner? 
What's for supper? Okay. Ooh, I love steak. Um, so you guys know that. What do you do when you sift something? You're separating, right? You're you're taking solids from liquids. You're taking larger particles from the smaller particles. Um, you're separating uh, the good from the bad. You're separating the wanted from that which may not be wanted. And so I'm, I'm, cons- I'm thinking about this process, right? And I'm thinking, okay, why would Satan ask to do that to someone? What's he separating? Well, what, what is that process all about? And, and I'm just, I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm just kind of toying around in my mind. Like I'm trying to get a picture of like, that is a graphic image of something that would happen to a person, of course, on a spiritual level. The other thing is there that I I noticed. Jesus looks at him and said, Satan has asked for you that he he may sift you as wheat. A lot of things come to mind there. Satan wants to sift Peter, but he's asking to do it. He's got to ask permission. Isn't that something? That kind of struck me. He's got to ask to do this. He can't just like come in and just start. He has to ask, just like remember with Job? You know, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, yeah, but, you know, you've blessed him so much and and all that sort of thing. You know, uh, I, I could take his kids, but if I took his kids, he'd curse you to your face. Okay, go ahead. Of course he does. You guys know the story. Job never cursed God. Well, I could take his wealth, and he'll curse you to your face. Took that too. Yeah, well, you got a hedge of protection around him, but if I attacked his body, oh, yeah, he'll, I, I could do some damage, and he'll curse you to your face. God says, go ahead, but don't take his life. And that is so cool because God is in control here. God sets the limits God sets the parameters in which Satan is free to do, but only so far. And now here's Satan. He's asking for Peter. He wants to sift him. He wants to separate him. From what? And then I'm thinking, okay, he wants to sift him as wheat. Now, I remember many teachings about the wheat is harvested and then the wheat was thrown up into the air, remember? And the the wind drives the chaff away. The kernels of wheat are surrounded by uh, a a shell, if you will, or or a protecting uh, agent that keeps it, but that's not wanted. That is not edible. That's not desired. And it was a neat thing because what they would do is they would throw the wheat in the air and the weight of the actual desired uh, product, the fruit of the wheat, if you will, would fall to the ground and the, the lighter weight chaff, the wind would drive away. And this was a process that they kept doing until eventually they got what they wanted and what they wanted was the fruit of that wheat, the, the grain. That's what they wanted. You and I, we go to the store and we buy flour. Well, I don't. 
because I'm not a cook. I'm not allowed to cook anymore. I, years ago, I, I made this amazing chowder, and it was more of like a, it was kind of like a seafood chowder, had vegetables in it. And I thought it was really good. I mean, I watched the TV show, I followed along, and I chopped up the things and did everything I was supposed to do, and I made this amazing chowder, and uh, ask Amy about it. Um, she'll tell you. When she came home, she had some, and I was already eating it because I thought, this is amazing. Why? Because I made it. You know, I thought, it's got to be good. Um, Amy came home. She had one kind of a spoonful, <laughs> spit it out in the sink. I have not been allowed to cook ever since. I'm not, near, I'm not allowed near the oven or anything like that. I can use the microwave, but I'm not allowed to. And I'm okay with that because I, I'm, not, I'm not really into cooking. You know, I tried to get into it. I made that chowder, which I thought was amazing, but um, I was told, no, don't, don't ever do that again. So we buy flour, though, today. We go to the store. It's already milled. It's already separated. It's already in the condition that we desire, that we want to utilize for cooking, baking, and, and that sort of thing. It's already done. Not so in these days. See, the sifting process was necessary because, yes, they would take it initially and they would throw it into the air. The wind would drive the chaff away and that process continued to happen. But there was a more of a refining process that took place and that is they had to mill it. And in the milling process, they would throw that in and they would, they would try to get the, the, the flour out of it to that process. But in the meantime, in that whole process, there was still impurities in it. And the sifting process was necessary because it still had little bits and particles of chaff in there with it. And there was perhaps from the mill itself uh, still little bits of gravel perhaps. And there was impurities in it. They, they had to sift it. That was a necessary thing to get it to the condition that could be usable and that they wanted. It had to be sifted. It had to be separated. And I didn't know that until looking into this a little bit further. I thought, how interesting. It has to be separated for, from the good and the, the bad, the, the wanted, the not wanted. And that separation took a process. Now, there's several sieves out there for cooking. As I was talking to my wife about this teaching, uh, she told me she remembers uh, uh, a sieve, or I call them a sifter, um, that her mother had all her years growing up, and it was kind of like this little canister thing that had a handle, and it had a, a crank on the side, right? And inside was like a, a mesh wire screen, but inside that crank was driving these wires across the product, and the desired product would fall to uh, the bottom, and it would hang on to all the stuff you didn't want, right? And there's different styles out there, but the point is, is that, you know, there was that churning you know, all that stuff inside there is just turbulent in there, just getting, you know, churned up and, and beat on a little bit and, and go through before the desired product falls through. Same thing with the other kind. You see the kind with the shakers, right, the handle that does that, and, and there's a process in there, shaken up, shaken, stirred, churned. It's a process. And I'm thinking about sifting, and I'm like, why would a person have to go through that. And what does that look like? Being churned up, stirred up, shaken, 
kind of a violent process, if you will. And why Peter? Why Peter? We read earlier as we were doing communion, he sent his disciples ahead, and he, he did choose John and Peter and says, hey, go ahead. You know, it's kind of like his right-hand man in a way, one of them. There was about three, Peter, James, and John. And those three are utilized together in events that are recorded for us. And each of those events are spectacular. They have a lot of meaning behind each and, one, each and every one of those. But Peter, how come Jesus, out of all the 12, he sits down with his 12, they're about ready to celebrate Passover, and, and they, we, we read that whole portion that we did during communion, taking the bread and, and, and the juice and the wine and everything, taking the cup. But he looks at Peter specifically and says, you know what? Satan is asking for you. Now you hear those words and you're like, wait, what? Lord, What? Wait, what would happen if you were told that? You know, Satan's asking for you. Hey, Satan is asking for you. Ooh, that would send chills up your spine. Satan's asking for you. <laughs> Can't have me. But he's asking for you. And he's, he looked at Peter and he said, hey, Satan is asking for you because he wants to sift you like wheat. And Peter would know exactly what's going on here because that's the society in which they lived. They understood that whole process. We do a Walmart, a Walmart order online, and we go pick up our stuff. We don't even hardly see the stuff until we get home. That's not true for them. They knew that process, and sifting would make immediate understanding, and Peter would be like, okay, why? Why, why Peter? Peter, the man. I love the guy. If you do a study on his life, he's incredible. I am a lot like Peter because um, Peter was a guy who kind of spoke first and thought later. So if it like entered his brain, blah, 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 it came out. I do that. Oh, and it's to my detriment sometimes. And I wish I could refine that better. <laughs> but sometimes I do that. And, and Peter was that guy. He uh, spoke before he thought. But here's the thing about him. He was very courageous, what we talked about earlier. We talked about being courageous, right? Just like the guest on the TV show, prime time. In a turbulent time in which we're living today, what's he doing? He's giving the gospel. 30 seconds. Wow, that is cool. No fear. Peter was that guy. Filled with courage to do what the other guys didn't want to do. He was the one that was willing to step out of the boat. Remember? During the storm, Lord, let me come to you. He's got a leg over, ready to go. And Jesus said, come. Come on. You, gotta, you know Jesus just had to love that. You, you, know? you, had to, you, just, you just have to know that. Come on. Come on. And we know the rest of the story. In his flesh, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the waves. But Jesus ultimately lifted him up and saved him. Why'd you doubt? Why'd you doubt? Little courage. Peter was the guy who's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you all on. You're not arresting Jesus. He was willing to take on all the soldiers himself. Well, come on. Let's go. Hey, Jesus says, hey, 
This has to happen. This has to happen. Okay, let it happen. Peter was being groomed for great leadership in what was going to be the church. The church was about to be born. The church is you and me, believers. And that's my next point, wheat. Why wheat? Wheat represents you and me as believers. How do we know that? We know that from Matthew chapter 13. Starts in verse 24, a parable. Remember the wheat and the tares? I love that parable. There is so much in that. But basically, Jesus is telling a parable that would help the people identify with what he was trying to say. The, par- the kingdom of God is like the man who sends his sowers out, and they sow good seed into the crops. And good seed, man, we're talking good wheat. But at night, the enemy came in, and he spread tares in that crop. Well, then when the crop begins to grow and time goes on, oh, it looks good. The whole crop looks good. Until when? Till harvest. Because that's what a tear is. A tear looks exactly like wheat, has the same fragrance, the same appearance, all through its growing stages until the end. And the tear does not produce fruit. The wheat does. And that is a neat story because the workers come back and they say, Sir, did you not sow good seed? Yes, I did. Well, look at this. And the landowner goes out and he surveys and he goes, An enemy has done this. Well, should we just should we pull up the tares and, and get rid of them? No. No, don't do that, because if you pull up the tares, you'll uproot the wheat as well. And at the end of that parable, what is said is that, no, gather, harvest them all together, and then separate them. And the bundles of wheat will be put into my barn, and the tares will be bundled and burned. We're the wheat. You and I are the wheat. We're believers. We Have no doubt, that's not to question our salvation. That's letting you know, hey, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior in your heart, you're saved, you're wheat. And are you producing fruit? Am I? Am I producing fruit? Am I taking instruction and listening? And and not just a hearer of the word, but a doer too. I want to produce fruit. So I, I, I am wheat, you are wheat, we're believers. And guess what? We're going to be gathered at the end of the age into the barn, which is heaven. You and I are wheat. That's why I thought this was so interesting. He wants to sift you as wheat. Peter, you're going to do awesome things. And as you see through the life of Peter, and as you see through the ministry with Jesus, uh, Peter alongside, look at the events that Peter was included in. He was included when James and John uh, got to witness the resurrection of Jairus' daughter, He was also there. Peter, James, and John were together on the Mount of Transfiguration. These were pivotal events that Peter was included in on. And Peter loved the Lord so much, he's the one that recognized that Jesus is who he says he is, he's the Savior. 
Peter was being groomed to do great things in the kingdom. And you know what that did? It put a target on his back. Satan saw that and knew it, and he goes, okay, I'm going to ask for Peter. You know, because Peter was going to do great things in the church. We talked about that. Last time I talked, uh, taught or spoke, remember, we talked about Acts chapter 10, where Peter went to Cornelius's house, right? And Cornelius was the centurion who had seen the, vig- the vision of the angel of the Lord. And he was told to go send for Peter, and he'll bring you a message, which you've been desiring to hear, answers to your questions. At the end of that story, what we realize is, wow, that was the time, that was the event that salvation, the gospel, was brought to the Gentile for the very first time. Guess who did that? Peter. That's huge, you guys. Remember, we talked about how huge that was. A huge event. And Peter got to do it. Satan saw that as a threat. Satan saw Peter. He says, you know what? This guy's going to be a leader. And he had a target on his back, and he wanted to go after him. He wanted to sift him. Look at verse 32. What does Jesus say, though? He says, but I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you. I love that, don't you? What would you say if Jesus was in front of you and you were having a conversation with him and he says, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Would you just be like, oh, good, good, thank you. Don't you love it when people pray for you? People will text you, hey, praying for you. I had brothers today tell me, hey, I was praying for you this week. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Man, did I need it. We all do. Man, I wish Jesus would tell me that, that Rivers, I'm praying for you. You know what? He did. We're going to turn there right now. Jesus is praying for us. Turn to John chapter 17 for just a moment. John chapter 17, you'll probably be there before I will. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he's praying this amazing prayer. This whole chapter, I encourage you to read it. But in verse 20, it says this. Jesus is praying. He says, but I do not pray for these alone, meaning his disciples alone or his people there in that moment alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Those who will believe in me. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, I don't think you'd be here (laughs) if you didn't. You believed in Jesus at one time, and you said, you know what, I need a Savior. And you recognized the fact that Jesus was that Savior, and you accepted him into your heart to be your personal Savior. You're forgiven. Amen. You're going to heaven, and that is it. Praise the Lord. And no one can snatch you out of his hand. You're saved. You're a believer. You're wheat. And you're here in church. 
worshiping the Lord in song. You're here in church patiently seated, waiting to hear a word of the Lord to receive instruction and encouragement and going forth into the world to what? To be fruit producers. You're producing fruit. And then you're going to have the boldness and courage to when the time is right and God puts it upon your heart to share the gospel, you're going to do so because you want everyone to have what you have, and that's salvation, hope, peace, right? Am I right? So you're a believer, and he says there, I haven't just been praying for these, and that would make sense if you read that whole chapter. He says, but I have prayed for those who will believe. That's you. We're future of this event, of this prayer. You've believed. He's praying for you. He did, and he was, and he is, and that's an encouragement. What has he prayed for in that chapter? Many things. That we may know him, the one true God, that he keep us from the evil one, and that we may be made perfect in him, and also God's love would dwell in us. Those are beautiful things. Jesus prays those things about us those who would believe. Jesus is praying for you, and that's comforting for us. He says, hey, verse 32, back in our text, I have prayed for you, what? That your faith should not fail. That was Jesus' prayer. Hey, Pete, Satan's asking for you. Satan's asking for you, and he wants to sift you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate you from me. No doubt. Because Jesus knew the future that Peter, the future role that Peter would play in the church. Jesus knew that. He's going to do great things. But Jesus also knew Peter's weaknesses. And Jesus also knew that his, he would fail too in certain areas. Yes, courageous. I'll step out of the boat, Lord. Let me come to you. Come. Hey, you're not going to take this man. I'll fight you all. Hey, Pete, relax. Put it down. Jesus, no, you, you cannot wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Okay, Lord, then not just my feet, but my whole body. Your feet will do. Your feet will do. Amazing man, courage, so courageous. But it would be his courage that failed, not his faith. And that is important. We feel sifted. Am I right? You don't have to raise your hand, but perhaps have you felt sifted this week, this month, this weekend? Have you gone through trials that, oh my gosh, you just feel churned and burned and shaken and stirred and just gone through the process? It's a trial. And Satan is asking to put Peter through this trial. And Jesus says, I'm praying for you that you escape the sieve. Is that what it says? No. See, that's what I would have prayed. See, you and I, we pray for each other. Oh, Lord, please, no. Don't let them go through this trial. Lord, don't let them go through this heartache. And that's okay. We don't want to see each other in pain, do we? 
We don't want to see each other struggle. We want good for each other. We're praying. We're lifting up, and that's our heart, and the Lord knows our heart. He, he takes those, those prayers, and, and he takes those into account because he knows that we love each other. We love each other like Christ loves us. We're trying to be Christ-like. That's what Christian means, and we love each other. We don't want to see harm, but here's what the Lord would say. I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Because here's the deal. He's going to allow Satan to take him through the ringer. The Lord knows that if you and I's prayers were answered all the time, that each other and ourselves never went through hardship and never went through trials, and check it out, and never went through testing, we would remain in this spiritual immaturity. Because Jesus knows something that we don't, and that is, is that we grow through tribulations and trials. We grow when our faith is tested, put to the test. That's where we grow. That's where the Lord can do his work in us. If our life was always just roses and clear roads and never have any problems or trials, what would your relationship be with the Lord then? I don't have a feeling it would be as rich I don't have a feeling that it would be uh, a person who you and I would, we would cry out to on our knees in desperation, in tears, and say, Lord, what are you doing? He would say, it's not what I'm doing. It's what I'm allowing. It's what I'm allowing. Satan's the one going through this. Satan's the one sifting you. And I'm going to allow it because in the end, you're going to rely on me and you're going to be stronger for it. You're going to be stronger for it. I'm going to pull you through. And you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Peter failed. We know the end of that story. I'm not praying, Jesus said, for an easy road. I'm not praying that you don't have any problems. I'm not praying that you don't have any trials or issues or pain or sorrow. I'm not praying that you don't get tested. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. What? Why would my faith fail me? He goes on to say, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren I don't want you to lose your faith because you're going to fail. You're going to be weak. And you know where you're going to be weak in? Your strength. Now, isn't that ironic? Oh, we think where we're strong, I got this. No, I, I can handle that. No, I, I'm, I'm good there. Lord, help me in my weaknesses. That's where I struggle. You know where Peter failed? Was his courage. Why? Because we know what happened later. Jesus told him, he says, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. No way. What does Peter say? Verse 33. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Remember Peter speaks before he thinks? He sees here, not here. You know, that's us. We see... We see today. But we don't see past today sometimes. 
We see what's in front of us, and oh, we react, and I do. But we don't see past tomorrow, and we don't see past into a time where the Lord would want to do his work. We react, and what did Peter do? Exactly what Peter always does. Oh, I, he reacts. I, I will go to prison. Lord, I'll even die with you. If that's what it takes, there's that courage, right? That strength. He's strong there. That's how we know Peter. But Jesus knew better. Satan knows Peter's strengths, and Satan knows Peter's weaknesses, but so does Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times. And it happened exactly like Jesus said. He failed where he was strong. That's where we have to watch out. Oh, I got this. Now, I don't struggle in that area. Really? If the conditions were right, you might. If the conditions are right, you might. No, I got that. See, that's the problem. We don't put enough time of prayer in our strengths. Why? Because we rely on the strength of our flesh. Because in our mind, we've tricked ourselves and say, oh, I got that area. No, I'm good there. No, that's not even a temptation. No, I can handle that. No, I'm good there. I'm not, it doesn't interest me. I, yeah, I'm just, you know, but no, Lord, help me where I'm weak. Lord, help me where I'm weak. And Lord, take over and really help me where I'm strong. Because if the conditions are right and I'm not prayed up, my failures might happen there. And that's exactly what Satan's doing. He says, oh, you're, cur you're courageous, huh? Yeah. You like to jump out of boats, huh? You like to take on troops, do you? Oh, you want to go to jail and die? Okay. I'll send a little girl, and he'll deny the Lord that he served to a little girl. Real courageous. Where was the courage there? Hey, you're, aren't you with him? Hey, you. Yeah. Aren't you with him? No. Leave me alone. Three times. And when that rooster crowed, what do you think Peter thought? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Would that rock your faith? When that rooster crowed and the words that came true and he just realized what he said and what he did, <gasps> time must have froze. He realized he failed. In the place that he was strongest, the Peter we know would have jumped up on the highest ledge and said, no, I'm with him. If you're taking him, you're taking me. What'd he do? No, I don't know that guy. Who's that? You're with him. No, I'm not. I don't even know. No. That would rock my faith oh, on a whole new level. And that is exactly what Jesus said I'm praying for. I'm praying that your faith won't fail. Why? Because you're going to get rocked so hard, I don't want you to lose faith. See, that's what the enemy does. Hey, I want her. I want him. And I want to sift her. And I want to sift him. 
And the Lord says, all right, here are the parameters, whatever those may be. God sets the tone. Satan set free. And guess what? You got a target on your back. You do. I do too. Well, I'm, I'm not a leader. You are too. You just don't know it. You're an ambassador. You represent the Lord. Wherever you go, school, work, play, the movies, the bowling alley, I don't care where you go, you're a leader. And you're a representative of our Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen? You're an ambassador. And you have a target on your back, especially in the days in which we live. And this is where your light shines the brightest, is when the outside world is the darkest. And the Lord wants to use you. And the Lord says to you and me, he says, hey, you know what? Satan's asking for you. you got a target on your back. And he wants to sift you. And you and I may be feeling that right now. You may have barely made it in here today because of it. He says, but you know what? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. Why? Because Satan does all that. He's asking and all that. And then the Lord allows it because he knows we have to grow. Those are times in which we grow when we're tested. And so then as soon as we do fail, then what does the enemy do? He comes in and says, <laughs> I look at you, pathetic. You're a Christian, and you expect God to use you? you look what you just did. Look what you just said. Do you hear yourself? Pathetic. And he beats us up. And he gets us to the point, he says, you know what? You should just give up. You can't do this Christian thing. All these other ones are doing it, but look at you. And he comes in and he capitalizes on our failures and he gets in our heads and he's like, oh my gosh. And we're like, oh no. Our faith gets rocked to the core, and we're shaken and churned, and we're like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> if we're not careful, our tendency would be, yeah, you're right. Forget it. And people walk away. People leave the church. Their faith fails them because they've allowed the lie of Satan to get in there and do its work. Jesus says, I'm praying for your faith. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. In times of adversity, in sorrow, in pain, what you're going through, whatever it is, I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. You know what's going on in your life better than anyone else. And you know exactly how this plays out. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for that your faith stays strong. And don't give in to the lie, because guess what? Through this whole thing, in my goodness, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to be stronger for it if you allow me to do this work in your life. You're going to be stronger for it. You want to talk about trials, tribulation? Peter goes on to talk about it. You turn with me to 1 Peter Chapter 4, and we're going to close this out. Verse 
You want to talk about a man who knows trials, a man who knows tribulations and problems and trouble? You want to talk about that? It's Peter. He writes about it. 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's look there. And I'm going to take you to verse 12. This is one we know best. We know well. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you or test you. It's not strange. As though some strange thing has happened to you. It's not strange. This is going to happen, he says. Don't think it's strange. Verse 13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with what? Exceeding joy. Oh, joy. Wait a second. I'm supposed to be happy in this thing that I'm going through? Yeah. The, guys that know, the guy that knows trials the most or very familiar with them. That's what he's telling us. Hey, don't think it's odd. Jesus said you're going to have trials and tribulations. Don't think that's weird. That's not strange. It's supposed to happen. You're trying. You're testing. That's going to happen. Don't think it's a weird thing, because guess what? At the end, you're going to have exceeding joy in verse 14. And if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. I'm going to pull you through this. I know it's tough. You're being shaken, churned, all different directions. You don't know what side's up, and your faith is being rocked right now, but I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. Because if you let this process happen, what's going to happen, the end result is you're going to grow. You're going to grow, and I'm going to pull you up, and you're going to be stronger for it, and I'm going to put a joy in your heart that no one else and no, no thing else can put there. A joy that only I can give you. Exceeding joy. Not just enough, abundant joy going through this trial and this hard time. Ironically enough, guess what? Later on, Peter would be taken back to the very spot that he failed. That very spot where his courage left him. His strength, remember how strong he was? He was taken back to that very spot where he failed. And he pronounced one of the most amazing uh, testimonies of Christ Ever. In fact, in front of the scribes and Pharisees and the leadership of the day, says they even marveled. You want to talk about courageous? Have you ever been taken back to a spot where you failed? You ever gone back there? And you go, wow, I remember that. Gosh, that hurt. Because, <laughs> man, did I screw that up. But now you look at it through a different perspective. You look at it through a different lens. What you look at it through is the grace and mercy of Jesus. 
because he was praying for you all along, and you learned through that. Yeah, your faith might have been rocked, and you might have been shaken brutally, but no one has suffered to the point of death. No one has suffered like Christ did. Jesus knows. He knows what you're going through right now, and he knows the pain you're feeling. And what he would tell you today, and we're going to close, and we're going to have a song here in a moment, but what he would tell you today is, I see what you're going through. Satan's asked for you. And I'm going to allow this test to happen. I'm going to allow it. Because what I need you to do is not rely on your strengths of your flesh. But I need you to call out to me and cry out to me and understand and recognize that the target on your back, he's coming after you with a tenacity you don't even understand. We see through a glass darkly. You know, we kind of get it, but not really, but someday we will. But we understand warfare, <laughs> and we see it for what it is. And I don't want to fall back on my strengths and go, I got that. That's not what I'm concerned about, what I'm concerned about here. And then, boom, I'm getting struck in the back where I thought I was strong. Whatever it is you're dealing with, Whatever it is you may be going through, or perhaps will. Maybe you're coming out of something right now. Whew, thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, I learned that lesson. Whew, thank you. Perhaps you're about to go through something that you don't even know yet. That could be any of us. When these times happen, realize God already knows about it. Jesus already knows. He's setting the parameters. Oh, he's going to let Satan do his thing. And it's going to hurt. It might sting, it might burn. But in the end, Jesus wants to pull you through it, and you're going to be stronger for it. And in the end, you're going to have exceeding joy. And here's the thing, and we're going to close on this, I promise. You will then be able to help others that are going through what you went through. Remember that? Oh, my gosh, I'm, oh, I'm going through this. Oh, I was there, brother. Oh, hey, sister. I was there. I've been in your shoes. And that's what we're to do, to come up alongside each other and to encourage and help. I've been there. Hey, brother, I've been there. I went through that a couple years ago. And here's what the Lord did for me. You know what? The Lord's praying for you, and then I would tell that person, guess what? And I'm praying for you too, but I'm praying that your faith isn't uh, taken from you. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail you. Don't give up and don't lose hope. Okay? Life with Jesus has endless hope. But life without him is nothing but hopeless. Amen? Be encouraged, you guys. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. It's ugly. It's dark. This is where you and I need to shine. Be encouraged, you guys. Jesus is praying for you. The enemy wants to come against you and discourage you. Just go, you know what? This is all part of the process. Keep it in perspective. Stay focused on the Lord. Don't rely on your own strengths to handle it because you'll fail. Rely on the Lord. And even if you do fail, okay, we're human, we do. I'm going to fail. I'm going to. I'm going to fail as a father. 
I'm going to fail as a husband. I'm going to fail as a friend. I'm going to. I'm just going to. But I don't want my faith to get so rocked that I go, you know what? It's not worth it. Forget it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to take that and go, Lord, in this trial, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn? Because I want to be stronger for it. Because I want exceeding joy in my heart and my life. Don't give up hope, you guys. Let's close this in prayer. Will you join me? Father, lots to take in today. Lots to absorb. Lord, I pray that today this would be an encouragement, Father, to anyone here that just feels trapped in a trial or a a testing that they just don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, I would pray and ask right now for that person, whether it be in this congregation now or even listening online, my prayer of my heart goes out to anyone who just feels hopeless right now, who feels like their faith is just being rocked to the core, who may be tempted to just say, you know what, I'm done, and throw in the towel, walking away. That's the lie of the enemy. And Lord, I pray for that person. I pray that that person would realize and understand through a godly perspective that that's part of the process. We're going to have those times. Lord, you're praying for us. You're praying for our faith that it doesn't fail us. May we keep our eyes on the prize, and Lord, that is you. You are our prize. May we stay focused on you, no matter what. No matter what happens, the heights of heaven, the depths of the sea, and anything in between, Lord. Lord, we give you our lives. Take over. And if that person's going through a trial right now, I pray that that person learns what it is that they're supposed to learn. And they'll be stronger for it, Lord. Able to then come alongside one of us that may be struggling in the future with that very same thing. It's a neat pattern, Lord. It's a neat thing you do. Can't always say it's comfortable, but Lord, what we can say is we give the control and everything else over to you.